Welcome to the Action Catalyst, where we share inspiration and insights to help you get moving, overcome mediocrity, and move toward achieving your goals in life. From Nashville, Tennessee, this is Dan Moore, your host, partner with Southwestern Consulting and president of Southwestern Advantage. Are you interested in advertising with the Action Catalyst? Our listeners could be hearing about your brand right here, right now. For details, shoot us an email at info at theactioncatalyst.com. Today on the Action Catalyst, we are very privileged to be spending time with Greg Mazzillo. Greg is the founder of Proforma. Proforma is a complete solution provider for all types of business communications. Today, the company has more than 750 member offices across the U.S., Canada, and the Virgin Islands. With more than $400 million in sales, Proforma is consistently among the top five firms in America providing what they do. And this is a long list from promotional products to printing services, business documents, e-commerce solutions, multimedia services, total project management. If it has to do with business communications, Proforma is a leader there. But it hasn't always been such a big company. Greg started the company in 1978 with a college friend. In that first year, the business that they funded with $200 saw its sales grow to a quarter of a million and expanded their number of clients to over 300. By 1982, just four years later, they hit the million-dollar mark for the first time. And in successive years, they were named to Inc. Magazine's 500 fastest-growing companies. In fact, the only company in the business forms industry to make that list three different times, a phenomenal achievement. Greg figured out that to continue the rapid growth, alternate routes ought to be taken a, a look at. And so in 1986, the Proforma franchise model was created. Now, this is a network of distributors, independents, who work together to build marketing and purchasing clout and strong supplier relationships. It's proven to be incredibly successful because Proforma, now in its fourth decade, just about to start its fifth, has grown to over $400 million in sales. Greg's wife, Vera, is the CEO, with Greg retaining the title of founder. Vera is often listed as one of America's top female business owners and leaders. They are an amazing team who have built an amazing business. So, Greg Mozilla, welcome to the Action Catalyst. Dan, thanks for having me. Well, we are delighted. Uh, Greg, I know that our listeners would appreciate knowing some of the foundational things that happened when you were first getting the business going. Can you share what that was like? I know it was 40 years ago now, getting started, the idea you had, and what you think caused you to be able to get some traction almost immediately. Yeah, well, I bet I'm probably like a lot of your listeners who always wanted to own my own business, right? Mowing lawns when I was a kid, shoveling snow, et cetera. And so I always want to own my own business and uh, uh, work for one of the big eight CPA firms. Dan, you and I are old enough to remember them when they were eight. Now there's only four. So when I graduated from college, I was uh, an auditor, uh, auditing General Motors and American Electric Power. And uh, I love studying accounting, but I hated doing it. And I had a roommate that I had gone to college with. And uh, he was working for a small distributor of printing, primarily business forms. Uh, uh, those things don't exist much anymore, but, you know, back in the 70s, they existed a bunch. So we would go out on Friday nights looking for dates for Saturday nights, and, and, and he would complain about his boss, and he didn't, he didn't quite care for that fellow, and I didn't quite care for accounting. But the more I listened to him talk about orders he'd get with $25,000 orders with 40% gross profit, 
$50,000 orders with about the same kind of gross profit. I thought, good night. What do you do? Right. And uh, so I started listening. My antennas were up. And I think that's an important thing for people that want to own their own business and they don't know what they want to do, do to just keep their antennas up because you might never know where inspiration could come from. And so, so we got to talking and, and, and the more we got to talking, the more I thought, wow. So here's an industry. You don't need any equipment. You don't need any inventory. Uh, you can just become a hundred percent of distributor representing hundreds of plants and just get out there and go get some customers. So I thought, yeah, after couple months of talking i thought you know he knew sales i knew accounting i thought man that's a perfect fit let's go do it so we just put in a hundred bucks bought a phone answering machine and uh, some stationery and, and and started the company on a hope and a prayer and uh, that was in 1978 we just started the old-fashioned way dan knocking on doors uh, and and uh, we worked hard and and uh, and we grew nicely and uh, uh i think Hard work and persistence uh, uh, pays off, and, and but so then by nineteen by the mid nineteen eighties we were doing I can't remember if it was three or four million or whatever it was, and we had been recognized by Inc. Magazine three years in a row for our fast growth, and we wanted to grow. So you said that day we wanted to grow. So we were in Cleveland, Ohio, um, and we thought, well, let's expand and let's start an office in the nearest biggest town, and that's Columbus, Ohio. So we went to Columbus, Ohio, and we interviewed some candidates to become uh, a sales manager down there and start an office for us in Columbus. And we went through a number of people in the first interview and got it down to a second interview pool a couple of weeks later. And then from the, that pool, we picked the per perfect person. We we're getting ready to hire that perfect person, Dan. And, and, and so we went down to, to Columbus and, and uh, to give the offer to this perfect person. We went down there and, and, and we told this guy, man, you're the perfect guy. We're excited and we want to give you the final offer here and let's get going and growing. And, and he said, guys, you know, I've been thinking about it all uh, here a lot and, and and I really like you guys and I like your story. I like how you guys started this business with a couple hundred dollars and a phone answering machine. I like your story so much, he said, I want to do what you did myself. He wanted to start his own distributorship. He didn't want to come to work for us. And I was crushed. I was crushed, right? Because uh, here, we, here we were ready to get expanding and instead we got rejection. And and, 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 and I kept thinking that something else was going on at the same time. It's kind of a funny story. So we had an article in Inc. Magazine because not only were we three years in a row, Inc. 500, but they somehow they found out this story. I don't, I don't even know how they found out, but I had an unusual collection technique back in the day. I, I had a fraternity brother. And his name was Yolo DePaulo. And we had people that weren't paying their bills. And we had no money. We were severely bootstrapped. My parents didn't have any money. His parents didn't have any money. I mean, literally, we needed people to pay their bills so we could pay our suppliers. Or we were going to go out of business, right? So <laughs> I mm -hmm. call people up and I say, hello, my name is Yolo DePaulo. My friend is Greg Mazzello. He tell me you know, pay your bills. Right? <laughs> and, it, and it worked. People paid their bills. So somehow Inc. Magazine found out about that and wrote an article about these two dimwits, college fraternity brothers, that took $200 and built this multi-million dollar business. So we got some inquiries from people around the same time, Dan, for people saying, geez, would you ever want to franchise that? Because it sounded kind of so simple and easy. 
Uh, like if two idiots that just graduated from college could do it, maybe people thought more people could do it. So we had the failure in Columbus, and at the same time, people thinking, geez, would we want to franchise the business? And I thought, wow, maybe we should, because if we had had a franchise model, then we could have taken that person's energy in Columbus and we could have used our infrastructure, right? Our relationships with suppliers and empowered him to start his own business rather than him having to go on his own and all alone. And so those two things kind of came together and uh, that's where we came up with the idea in 1985, 1986 to start franchising the distribution of printing back then. Huh. That's fantastic. It sounds like in two separate incidents, when you started the business and then when you developed the franchise model, you had your antenna calibrated and you had your radar spinning all the time that said, is there a different opportunity here than what appears obvious? That's incredible. So so you were able to get started with that business and uh, that gave people the chance to be in business for themselves, but definitely not by themselves. For sure. And then we ran into another roadblock, Dan. So in our vision, we were going to create a franchise model for people that were already in the industry. That's called a conversion franchise. The original conversion franchise was Century 21. Century 21 would go to realtors' offices and, and existing realtors and say, hey, why don't you join us because we can help you market better and make more money. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we wanted to do the same thing Century 21 did. We wanted to empower existing distributors in our industry or sales reps that were ready to own their own business. However, um, we, we reached out to the whole industry. We bought a mail list. We reached out to the whole industry. And we only had two people join us. And most of the industry, which were, was at the time much older than us, kind of like was, why, why would we join you two punk kids? Because we were only 20-something at the time, maybe 27, 28. Why would you join you two punk kids? Why would you call our name pro forma? So now we hit another roadblock in that we only got two franchises and we were working really hard and nobody else wanted to join us. So we decided, well, this conversion franchising thing isn't working very well. Maybe we got to go try to find some traditional franchises. But what's a traditional franchise is really what most people think of when they think of franchising, Dan. In other words, most people would think of like, geez, people that they're not happy with corporate America. They want to own their own business. They start researching franchises and, you know, they don't know if they want to make submarine sandwiches or open a a, a tutoring school or who knows what, right? But uh, there's lots of franchise opportunities, but traditional franchise uh, opportunities take somebody that doesn't know the industry and teaches them the industry from the ground up. And we thought, well, since our own industry is sort of rejecting us, I guess we got to go down the traditional road. And and back then there was no, there was no internet. Um, so we had to go to these own your own business shows, which we could talk for hours about going, going to those crazy things. But that's where we found the next, we found 30 or 40 franchise owners in pretty rapid fashion in a, in a few years from people that really liked our story that we connected with that were outside of the industry and they joined Proforma and, and, uh, uh, and we taught them the industry, and many of them did very well. In fact, some of them are still with us today. That's an outstanding story. What What are the characteristics of a franchisee who becomes successful? I mean, they don't know, have to know the forms industry, but you were looking for other characteristics of desire or experience or ability. 
Yeah, and of course, Dan, we're no longer in the forms industry, right? Because that, that's about, about the same as buggy whips. We're now in the commercial printing and promotional products business and a lot of other related items. We'll get to that in a minute. But, but you know, really, somebody's just got to get out and go sell. Uh, this isn't a complicated industry. Everybody in North America buys a lot of printing and promotional products. And you know the rule of 10%, Dan. You have been, you and I have been in the sale, selling game a long time. And mm-hmm. if you talk to 10 people, you'll probably find one person that's not happy with who they're currently buying their printing, promotional products, and and related communication tools from. And, and, and you'll earn an opportunity. So you just, you just need somebody that's driven to get out and go find people who aren't happy, who's open to new sources of supply and and um and eventually grow some customers um, and it isn't any more complicated than that somebody that's willing to get out and and go sell now some of our people because we're not uh, retail because we're not food no two of our franchise owners need to look the same some people have small dreams some people have big dreams for example in our business somebody could be doing three or four hundred thousand dollars a year or make a hundred thousand dollars a year and be happy and, and, you know, if they're happy doing that, well, we're happy for them. But so who are we looking for? We're, we're also looking for people that have really big dreams and people that want to grow a big business and people that want to hire salespeople and really grow beyond themselves. And, and we're happy to have smaller people with smaller dreams. And we, our largest franchise owner today does a little over $35 million a year. That is outstanding. And what's kind of rare is that you embrace and welcome people according to their goal, not your goal. That's what I hear you saying. Absolutely. In fact, our mission statement embodies that our our mission is to help our franchise owners' dreams come true. And if and when we do, then our dreams will come true. And and, um, it's a a wonderful journey, Dan, because, you know, sometimes people say, what do you love about this business? And, and, um, one of the things I love and keeps me going is, you know, I'm not in the used car business, not that there's anything wrong with the used car business. Of course there's not. But to me, when people come to us with their dreams, right, the dream of owning their own business, the dream of being successful in their own business, there's probably not a whole lot more powerful dreams that people have other than maybe uh, uh, having a wonderful marriage and family, having a beautiful home and owning a beautiful business, right? Um, so when people come to us, I, it's kind of a holy obligation, uh, not to sound corny, but it's really true, that if somebody trusts us with their dreams, we, we really owe it to them to do our best to help those dreams come true. And I don't care how big their dreams are. Um, I, we really don't have to care how, how big their dreams are because uh, like I said, we're not retail, so we don't have to have people look consistently in cookie cutter. Uh, our people are business to business. And so as long as they comply with a few of our standards, we're happy to have people of all sizes and all dreams. Mm-hmm. It's sort of the essence of service. Find out what your people want and then show them how they can get it. You do that with your franchisees and you teach them to do that with their customers. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now, it's interesting because you've also had to adapt and evolve. Uh, you got started in the forms business. I know at one time you had a partnership with one of our long-term suppliers in our publishing arm, our, our Donnelly. Oh, yeah. In fact, I believe we were a customer of yours without even realizing it at the time because we had our business forms done by Donnelly and they said, we've just formed a recently new partnership. So I have a feeling we have worked together before. Thank you for your business then, Dan. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm glad we were the difference maker. <laughs> now, how did how did you uh, 
transition or gear shift. You know, there's, you talk about forms being sort of like the buggy whip. Some people cling to an old business or an old line almost too long with a sense of disbelief that it's ever going to go away. How did you do that without abandoning people that were still using forms? In other words, the, the smooth shifting instead of the, the speed shift that can cause so much disruption. Well, it became apparent, Dan, that uh, business forms were were soon on their way out the door, and and sort of the big death knell of business forms that were very profitable. There's still forms; they still exist. We all fill out forms every day, much to our chagrin. Uh, however, the big shift was when businesses started moving from remember them old impact printers. You got listeners that don't even know what I'm talking about, but you know, an IBM, an old IBM typing machine with that ball on it, with those letters that uh, stuck out and they hit the paper or they hit the carbon and then they could make multiple copies um, either through a carbon interleaf uh, through the pieces of paper or through uh, NCR type paper where no carbon was required, but the little dots all mushed together on the front and the back and the coating on the front and the back, creating an image on the piece of paper. But as copiers and digital printers became affordable, companies no longer needed to have those multiple part forms that we made a bloody fortune on, Dan. We made a bloody fortune back in the day, but they were going away and uh, impact printers were dying and uh, uh, people were moving over to digital smart printers and uh, these big expensive forms were being replaced by maybe even just eight and a half by 11 copier paper or eight and a half by 11 paper with a beautiful logo printed on it. So, uh, and there's no money in that. So we realized, well, we either pivot or die, right? So we, we, we realized, well, what else are our customers buying? Well, our customers are also buying commercial printing. And so we pivoted to commercial printing. And then by gum, we had a franchise owner down in Dallas. And it was in the early 90s. And so we're selling business forms of commercial printing. And uh, But I'm looking at some of the sales one of our guys down in Dallas is doing. And it's uh, it was pens with logos on it and hats and backpacks and all kinds of goofy stuff. And I called him up and I said, Carl, what's this wacky stuff that you're selling, right? And he explained to me that, that it's not all disparate wacky stuff. All those products with logos on them are a part of an industry called promotional products. So I happen to have a buddy in town that that, that owned a, a, a company that actually prints on balloons. So they're a supplier to the trade in the promotional products industry. So I went and visited him and I gave him a brown bag. And I said, Terry, I said, Terry, I think we're, we're interested in learning more about maybe getting into the promotional products business. I said, do me a favor, take this bag. And this is still back in, you know, there's not a whole lot of internet you can research yet in the, in the early 90s. So take this bag and fill it up with all the magazine and publications you get about promotional products and I'll come back in a month and pick up the bag. <laughs> so he did. And I went back and picked up the bag and I and I learned, wow, really cool industry. And what was cool about it is 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 our existing relationships who would be with sales type people, marketing type people, human resources type people, executive admin type people, and, and um, purchasing right or operation type people, they also bought promotional products. So they were buying printing, they were buying promotional products. And so I didn't want to add a product line that we'd have to go create new relationships with. I just thought I want, once somebody knows us, likes us and loves us, I want to sell them everything possible that they buy. 
And so adding promotional products and some other communication tools that we added to our, 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 our product mix, it, it doesn't require us to go create new relationships, right? It just, it, it gets us to just have to cross sell and upsell existing relationships. So actually thank goodness for that franchise owner to introduce us to a wonderful industry of promotional products because today actually we're a half billion dollar company now dan and and about a quarter billion of our sales comes from that promotional products and about a quarter billion of our sales comes from commercial printing that is absolutely phenomenal and it shows again your your skill at being into the details of the business while at the same time being able to zoom your lens out and see what are the trends what's happening here i think your antenna must constantly be be firing because all of these ideas that you've had over the years. Well, you got to be on constant alert. You know, good buddy of mine, God rest his soul, is uh, Fred Fred DeLuca, the guy that started Subway. In fact, we were very good friends, and he made an investment in my company at one time. But uh, sadly, he's not passed. But uh, uh, the whole story about the five dollar footlong. I mean, he was paid attention to the details. He was a big picture guy, but he paid attention to the details. And one day, he was driving around, and he went to visit a franchise owner, and and uh, they had a sign on their door that said $5 footlongs or something. And their sales were going through the roof. And so he went and visited that franchise owner and he found out that the whole idea for the $5 footlong just came for him at the time when it was successful, came from paying attention to your franchise owners and, and just keeping your antennas up. So it, it's, you, you just said it, Dan, it's important to have an eye on the big picture, the big vision, right? And, and, and that lens wide open, but it's important to zoom in sometimes on the detail and see where's cool success coming from. Because especially in franchising, our franchise owners are entrepreneurs themselves, right? They have an entrepreneurial spirit. Many times in franchising, franchisors are blessed with brilliant people who have good ideas we never even thought of. And so it, it's it's important to recognize those and celebrate them. Absolutely. In fact, I think the the historic Big Mac was invented by a franchisee. And I think the filet of fish sandwich was as well for McDonald's. You're exactly, even the drive-through window, you're exactly right. It was invented, all invented by a franchise owner, not not McDonald's. Well, it's the ability to be to be coachable and open-minded too instead of just saying, nope, this is the way we do it and don't divert us. And so there's a push-pull there. You have a model that works. I'm sure you've trained your franchisees that, but at the same time, giving people the freedom and flexibility to innovate, and then you figure out what works well and spread it to everybody else. Exactly. You got it, Dan. All right. No, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Um, Greg, the story that, that you've told is an amazing story, starting with an investment of $200, now a half a billion dollar company and growing rapidly with an international scope. But I know you've had setbacks. I know you've had disappointments and you mentioned already one roadblock where you weren't able to do the conversion franchise routine. But when you're faced with a really big problem, it's, it seems like a brick wall. You can't see the top of it. You can't see the ends of it. What, what do you do mentally in terms of how you talk to yourself, first of all, and then steps that you might take to try to work your way around a really difficult situation. Yeah, that's a great question, Dan. Because it, you know, you you yourself have a very successful enterprise, and and and, and everybody's going to hit those brick walls. We had we hit one once where um, our bank back in the uh, late '80s, when banks it seemed like you got a new banking relationships. Actually, I think it might have been late '80s, early '90s uh, when I bought out my partner. And the bank 
actually didn't like the way I was buying out my partner. And they introduced me to a department that, you know, you never see on the road sign. You know, on driving down the road, you see a sign, you know, a billboard that says you're friendly banker. And, you know, there's all those nice, friendly <laughs> people in the pictures, you know. And, 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 and But they don't tell you about a department. It's called the workout department. Now, the workout department is the department whose job it is to come in and and uh, tell you we want our money back. And if we don't get it back, we're going to be really unkind about the way we treat you. So I, I got introduced to the workout department and, and I had to go find a new a new new bank. And I and I thought, my gosh, and and they give you really tough deadlines and, and, and they really mess with your head and your heart. And and I thought we were going to go out of business. I thought for sure we we're going to go out of business because it takes a lot of money for us to finance our franchise owners' orders. Still, back in the day, where we were way undercapitalized in the uh, late '80s, early '90s. And I remember back then we had just bought a phone system that had voicemail, and uh, I thought, uh, and my mind goes to the negative, Dan. My mind's just so easily drifts to the negative, and I thought I've got to stay positive because, uh, you know. It, there's a way around this. There's a way around this roadblock. I don't know if I got to dig a tunnel or buy an airplane or buy, buy a new set of tracks to go around it, but we're going to get around it. We're going to get under it. We're going to get over it, but I got to stay positive. So I asked all of our leadership on Friday to leave what I called a, a good news message. And uh, every, every Friday, they would leave a good news message about all the good things that were happening. And that was that was really mind-changing because uh, uh, I would listen to those things on Friday. And, and so that instead of my mind drifting toward the negative all weekend, we're going to go out of business, we're going to find a bank, all that negative chatter that a mind can create, I'd go home and thinking, no, we're doing great. You know, we sold so many new franchises and franchise sales are up. And there's so much here worth saving. And there's so much here to work with. And there's so much here a new bank is going to love, right? It, 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 it really changed my mindset from being very negative to very positive. And so I think that positive mindset that those good news messages gave me, uh, gave me the courage and the conviction that we were going to get around that roadblock. And in fact, we did. We we did obviously I'm here to tell the story right there. Right. So we did find a new bank, but, but uh, I see so many people, so do you, Dan, and they hit a roadblock and then they stop and they don't see. I even tell my assistant, I said, no, doesn't mean no until you hear no, at least seven times. Cause I'll say, get me a hotel reservation. And then they'll say, well, I, I called the hotel and, and they said the hotel is full. I said, well, that doesn't mean, no, we're not going to get a hotel reservation. That just means we've got to try again tomorrow. <laughs> right? And, and, and after you hear no seven times, maybe I'll start to think no is really no. But until I hear no seven times, right, that's the, posit that's the positive attitude that people have to have. But so many people hear no the first time, and they really think it means no. But no never means no. No just means, please ask me again tomorrow. Oh, I think that's so great. And whatever it takes to make that happen, you might have to change some of your personnel. You might have to change your style. But what you did most importantly was you changed your mindset. And I think that's an incredible story. It's everything, man. It's everything, right? Right. Um, Greg, on, on a little different tack, almost everybody that achieves a, a level of success hits a point where they might think, you know, I've done really well. I've, I've kind of arrived. It's, it's okay to coast a bit. I don't sense that you will ever coast or that you ever have. What, what do you do to fight against that voice that says, hey, it's okay, be complacent, take it easy, it's all going to happen anyway? In other words, to avoid what we call Mr. Mediocrity in your ear. 
Yeah. Well, I teach our franchise owners that there's only three steps to getting wealthy. First, there's fear, right? Everybody starts a business or thinks about starting a business and there's fear, right? And you had it. We all had it back in the day where where you know, my mom even asked me if I was an idiot. Are you an idiot leaving the big ACPA firm, right? Starting this company. And there's fear. And, and sometimes people even ask us questions like, are you an idiot? I mean, not everybody, not everybody affirms our decision to go do what we do. And so we have fear internally. We have fear externally. We can't listen to people that want to drive fear. But, okay, so then you move. Then, then, then people move to comfortable. So people start out and you don't know how you're going to make the car payment or the rent or all those other things that you need to do. And that's fear. But at some point, every business owner that succeeds to some level gets to the point that, oh, good. The house payment is going to get taken care of next month. The car payments are going to get taken care of next month. I'm not worried about anybody showing up and towing the cars away. My kids are going to be able to go to the same orthodontist next month. Everything's okay enough. That's comfortable. So you move from fear to comfortable. Unfortunately, I think many, many, many people get to comfortable and they get stuck. They get the comfortable and they get stuck because uh, it's a little easier to sit behind your desk and be comfortable than it is to get out there and continue to do things that make somebody wealthy, right? Most people, so most people are in businesses or even in opportunities, even in careers to create real wealth for themselves, but they never push beyond comfortable to get truly wealthy. And so, um, I just try to embody that, and I try to show that to our franchise owners. I try to show that to the ch my children. And to be candid with you, though, I'm having fun. It's Of course, there are a few things, Dan, I do uh, that aren't always fun, uh, but most of what I do, 90% of what I do is just fun. Helping people have their dreams come true, having people come up to me at our annual convention or at what we call Million Dollar Club for our millionaires and multimillionaires in the business and have people hug me and say, boy, Greg, thank you. You changed my life. That's just an amazing journey. And I just, I just want more of it. We've got three of our children, soon to be four of our children coming into the business. I want to show them and I believe with all my heart, we should be a couple billion dollar organization uh, here in the not too distant future. And that's and that is just fun for me. So I have I have a lot of fun doing what I do. I don't have a lot of other hobbies. I mean, my wife and I have 10 kids. So how many hobbies could you <laughs> I love what I do. So I'm a lucky guy to be able to love what I do and want to keep going and growing. I want to be an example to my children and the next generation. I want to be an example to our owners. But most importantly, I love what I do. So it's just easy to wake up and, and look forward to another day. I think that's fantastic. So from fear to fun, that's the transition from fear to comfortable to fun. And to loving what you do and being an example to others. Well, I think you got to go to fear, to comfortable, to some more pain to get to wealthy. But then you find the fun, right? Because when you start making the real money and you can hire all the people to do all those things that ain't the fun, right? And then you just can do the fun, the fun stuff, right? And 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 mm -hmm. I think that. So I think you got to go from fear to comfortable, to a little bit more work, to get bigger, 
and have a little bit more money so that you can then outsource, if you will, hire other people to do, because there's still stuff you don't want to do. That's why people never get to, to wealthy in the first place. The stuff they need to do to get wealthy probably at, the mo at most isn't desirable. Like you got to go find new customers. Well, eventually to find new customers, if most of our people would say, well, I, I do a great job out on a sales call, but, but, but I don't like picking up the phone trying to make appointments. Well, eventually somebody, if they make just a little bit more money, could hire an appointment setting company, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a small example of outsourcing or hiring people to do all those things that strip out uh, the stuff that ain't fun so that you can just have fun. And then things explode. So to your point, yeah, when you get to when you get to Somewhere on your way to your wealth, wealthy, yes, you get to fun, and then it just explodes. I think that is a brilliant progression. And what's the key insight that you shared is that when a person is at the comfortable stage, they've got a decision to make. They can say, I can stay comfortable, or I can go ahead and experience some more discomfort, some more pay in the price, some more pain, maybe a little bit more fear to hit that next level. And then they can start to invest and move into that stage of wealthy and fun. Agreed. Absolutely. You nailed it. Well, those are brilliant insights. Greg, I'm having trouble believing how fast this time has gone. You are not only a brilliant business leader, but I can tell you've got a heart as big as the world, and you mean a lot to a lot of people. I would love the fact that you're such a core part of your family and that you're motivated by setting the example for your kids and uh, being in partnership with your wife in the business. I just admire all of that so much. Well, thank you, Dan. Uh, would you have any sort of parting shots that you could share with our listeners uh, if they're just feeling a sense of of discouragement, uh, feeling as though the world is closing in on them, that there's a lot of disagreements in the world, there seems to be a lack of kindness? Uh, what can individuals control when they feel like the world is just closing in on them? Mm. Well, that, that's a bad choice, right? Because the world isn't closing in on us. It's just perspective. And, and I think that... Um, I think we just have to just choose love. You know, the world's full of negative news. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of people read this news and it's like, gosh, geez, nobody's getting along anymore. Everybody hates each other. Well, turn off the news then. Get rid of all that negativity. Find the positive, right? Find the love. Find the love in your own heart. Because it's it's just as easy to love as it is to hate. They, there's some saying out there that it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. And and find the positive. Turn off the negative. Just like I did listening to those good news messages, find the positive. And I'm a law of attraction guy, Dan. I'm sure you are too. Mm -hmm. When you get negative, you attract negativity and more of the same bad stuff to yourself. Some people don't even know that. They're a walking magnet for failure, right? And they just, more failure starts sticking on them like a magnet walking down the road and, you know, uh, 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 paper clips just sticking to a ma magnet walking down the road. Picture that picture because they're so negative. They get negative things sticking to them. Just get positive, man, and positive stuff will stick to you. And there's always a way. There's always a way out of wherever you are, but it's never in the negativity. It's always in the positivity and love. Find positivity and find love and success will find you. I cannot imagine a more powerful and stirring and inspiring final quote. Greg, that is brilliant. Thank you. I know I'm inspired as a result of this. I'm looking forward to my day today. Me too. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Dan. Thank you. And uh, 
We appreciate you very much. Everybody, we're so grateful that we've had a chance to talk with Greg Mazzillo, founder of Proforma. What a great individual, a great story, and inspiration for all of us. Best to everybody in the Action Catalyst world. I'll have some comments after we wrap up here with Greg. Greg, have a fantastic Friday. You too, Dan. That was truly an inspiring and fun-filled time with Greg Mozilla, founder of Proforma. Greg brings a lot of energy to a room. Even though he was hundreds of miles away from me, I felt like he was right there, and I am invigorated from that conversation that we had. Really interesting, some themes that came through from talking to Greg. One, he exhibits what the author Liz Wiseman calls great range of motion. And anybody that's been through physical therapy knows that part of that is to restore full range of motion. Well, range of motion for a business leader is the ability to back up and see the really big picture. And then at the same time to zoom in and work in the details of the business. Greg has had that great range of motion, it seems, for his entire business career. First of all, how he got into business. Uh, he was working with a respected job in a respected firm, public accounting, but he had his antenna up. And as his friend began to talk about what he was doing, Greg listened and he probed in his own mind what the things were important to him and decided that this is what he wanted to do. Uh, not only did he have his antenna up and be aware of a great idea, but he also understood the need to work hard and make that happen. So they knocked on doors, they were persistent, they worked really hard to build that business, which was great. He also showed that same range of motion when it came time to make major changes and pivots in their, in their industry. In some ways, it's important that we all remember that a setback is nothing but a push forward in disguise. And when he hit the setback in Columbus, Ohio, with the person they wanted to hire to grow their business there, turned them down because that person wanted to have their own business in this arena, then Greg backed up once again and he said, you know what, maybe this is what we ought to be doing instead. Let's create opportunities for people. And so the logical thing was to find other people that were in the forms business and say, join us in pro forma. But after sending out a thousand different invitations, they had two people apply that were interested. That was a pretty low success rate. And they figured out that this conversion franchise wasn't going to work, that these more established firms had no interest in joining these young upstarts. So he said, but there are other people that want to have their own business. They may not know our business, and that's okay. We can teach it to them if they come to us with the right desire and the right attitude. So he looked abundantly for people that were willing to get out and sell that understand what we call the 10% rule in selling. Although the ratios vary, there's no question that there are always more sales calls than there are sales presentations. There's always more prospects than there are sales calls. There's always more sales presentations than there are sales that we make. And so the willingness to make it happen, to knock on doors and to work that 10% rule is so key. But also what's important for anybody in business is that they have a vision and that they have a dream. He said there's no two franchises that have the same dream. And that's really awesome because they embrace them regardless of whatever their dream is. Now, here's what a good lesson here for all of us that are, are growing businesses. Because we have a big vision and a big dream, it's really compelling to want to share that vision and have other people buy in exactly the same. And although they'll be swept up in our enthusiasm, if our dream is not their dream, then the motivation and the incentive and the power are going to diminish. So what Greg has done so brilliantly is he finds out what people's dream is, and then he works hard to help them realize that dream, whether it's to have a small business or whether it's to have a very, very large business. And I think that that's great. He said this, we have an obligation to do our best to help them achieve their dream. Again, this is an example of him being willing to listen, having his antenna up and figuring out that what's important to them would therefore become important to him. 
He showed that range of motion yet again when they backed up and realized that the printed forms business was quickly being swept away, that even the most profitable part of their business, which was using NCR, non-carbon required forms, was going to go away. And so they understood that we either pivot in a time like that or we die. And so commercial printing was a very powerful mode. They realized that their very same customers were going to be using commercial printing. And so they began to move into that area. The same thing selling promotional products. Now, what to me was great about this was the awareness that the most important thing in business is a customer relationship. They had established customer relationships in the forms business. They extended those relationships with commercial printing. And then they were able to leverage those relationships as they moved into promotional products, sometimes called specialty advertising. Again, it showed me that he has an antenna constantly up and the awareness that existing customers are so important. Greg seems to me to be a student of the game. He was willing to study his own successes and learn how to duplicate those and spread them out to other people. He certainly has faced his share of problems. His graphic description of what he called the workout department in the bank when his bank relationship was ended was amazing. And it can be discouraging and frustrating, a very short window to try to find a new banking relationship or the business might go under. And he realized this, and I'm going to quote Greg Mozilla, gotta stay positive, gotta stay positive. So he implemented what they call Good News Fridays and those good news messages from all over their network just flooding in not only affected him, but I'm sure affected everyone else in the business. But what these did was help him change his mindset. And as he would go into each, each weekend, it wasn't with the thoughts of doom and gloom. Oh my gosh, how are we going to get a new bank? But it was with thoughts of things can work out. It's okay. He's a real believer in the law of attraction, that whatever we put our mind on, whether it's negative thoughts or positive thoughts, those things are going to ultimately come to us. I'm a believer in that as well. And Greg is a realist about that. He knows that nothing happens without hard work, but it makes such a difference in that proper persistence. When I talked to him about the three steps to business success, he understood them really well. I said, well, what do you look for in a person? What does it take to do well? And he said, well, fundamentally, when anybody starts a business or goes into a new venture, their first motivator is fear, fear of failure, fear of disapproval, fear of the unknown. And that fear causes them to move and, and to be driven when they confront their friends and the friends look at them and say, are you an idiot? That's when they realize I have got to be driven to make this thing work. And that's fear. But then they move into the stage of, of comfortable, where everything is, is okay. Comfortable means I know where I'm going to get the money for my bills. We're doing all right. This is okay. And he said many people stop there. And the reason for that is simple. It's easier to stop there than to face the discomfort necessary to get to a higher level. But if people are willing to go through what is sometimes called the pain of gain and to be willing to go through that discomfort to get to the next level, then they can move to the third stage, which is wealthy and fun. And that's where it's a chance to invest in people to do the things that the individual doesn't find as enjoyable to do and to do the things that they do thrive on and do the best on. I think it's a fantastic progression and makes lots of sense for anybody that's working to inspire others. Fundamentally, Greg is a positive person. He is a believer in family. He's a believer in community. He is a believer in the mission that they're embarked upon, which is to help people live successful and happy lives. And in the face of a difficult world with all kinds of crises and all we got to do is look at negative news, what does Greg Mozilla say? He says, listen, the world isn't closing in on us. Let's change our perspective. Turn off the bad news. Quit dwelling on it. And let's find the love because there's a lot of love. And he's absolutely right about that. So I'm inspired and motivated. I'm ready to have a positive and motivational week. And I think it's because of this time that we spent with Greg Mozilla. Wherever you are, remember... 
dreams are important. And when we live our dream and believe in our dream and we want to grow, we need to find out what other people's dreams are and help them achieve their dreams. It goes back to what one of the greats, Zig Ziglar, always said, you can get whatever you want out of life if you're willing to help enough other people get what they want out of life. This is Dan Moore for The Action Catalyst. Put these things to work. Avoid mediocrity. Deal with the setbacks as they happen. Keep the approach. Move toward those goals in life. And thanks all of you for being here with us.